We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Friday, the fifth day of August, the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams and two very special guests, but we'll get to them in just a moment. Bruce, how are you? Healthy and alive as usual. Fantastic. I'm glad to hear it. We were not here yesterday because, well, everything was all about the first round of primaries in the U.S. And quite frankly, we haven't fixed our problems from the last election. So we're now banking on the fact that we're going to have some type of a change in the next general election come this fall. And I just I, I don't want to talk about it because it's nothing but Trump Republicans, rah, rah, rah. OK, fine. I've made my standpoint on Trump clear. I don't know if he's planning on running or not. Rumor has it right now that he's planning on it. And I hope to God that he doesn't because I really don't want to support him. I don't. But that's another story for another day. We'll talk about that when the uh, when the time comes. And joining us today is, quite frankly, it's it's a privilege to have both of you on at the same time. We have the fan favorite, somewhere between iconic and psychotic, Marty Foster. And we have Ned joining us. You're both in the same room, which is rare, at least. This is the first time you've both appeared on a podcast at the same time being in the same place. So it's um, it's going to be quite a treat. It's going to be a fun conversation. I, I didn't realize, Ned, that you were actually down there. But um, yeah, I spoke to you on the phone today, and apparently you're still there. Obviously, I can see you. You're still there. But how are you both today? Marty, let's start with you. Oh, I'm very well. Obviously, it's Friday, and Friday's always a good day. Uh, we call it Poets Day in the UK, um, which stands for Piss Off Early Tomorrow Saturday. I like it. And Ned, how are you today? I'm fine. I'm just getting over crying and laughter for the last two minutes. Yes, I, I noticed you were over there crying and laughing, and I think it was because you... Uh, you, you helped me botch the intro when I was uh, when I was first starting. As soon as the music was turning itself down, so yeah. Anyway, yeah. You know what? Just um, for the benefit of the listener, Johnny completely corpsed when he when he first attempted the intro, and it was amusing. But you know, uh, Ned, I think is part German because he always laughs at others' misfortune. I do. <laughs> I even laugh on my own. It's because it's funny. That's why. It's British. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, you guys have a unique sense of humor. And so do the Germans, actually. They have a very unique sense of humor. Actually, most people say that Germans don't have a sense of humor, but they actually they do. do. Yeah, it, they actually it's do. It's very, very, very unique for the Germans. It's much more slapstick, isn't it? Well, yeah, you have to sort of know them for at least three years before they crack a joke. But That's then you true. get to know them, they're really clever. Well, because laughter's inefficient, and everyone knows that Germany is all about efficiency. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, we're going to talk so a little it, bit about it, that today. It's the next problem to climate change, then. Yes, we're going to talk about that today yeah. just a little bit. But first, before we do that, we're going to start with the UK. Marty, I spoke to you on the phone earlier this week, and I've known you a long time. You, you and I have known each other for a long time. It's well over 10 years now. and. Yeah. I told you something that you were unaware of because you had a busy weekend, and I hope that um, I hope everything went well. Uh, I'm pretty sure that it did. I hope everything went well. Hope everybody had All a good, good time. Thanks. Yeah, the photos that you sent looked uh, looked like it was a wonderful day, uh, except for the dead grass. That's very unusual for England because you guys usually have a lot of rain. But that's climate change, and we'll get into a little bit of that today because some of your prominent people are back from screwing up everything in the pandemic and they're talking about climate change now, but we'll get to that. But I've known you for a long time and I have never in all of my days of knowing you, have I heard you laugh as hard as you did towards the end of that call. And you said that you were getting off of the phone call, walking away with a headache that I gave you from telling you that. <laughs> and that was uh, a yeah. write up in the Telegraph on uh, on Sunday this week saying that Boris Johnson has possibly been tipped to be the next secretary general of NATO. You've served with NATO forces. You've been down in areas of Africa with the blue beret on your head. And you've uh, you've also been to NATO headquarters on several occasions in uh, uh, in Belgium there. Jens Stoltenberg, the current secretary general, he's leaving. He's doing whatever it is he's doing now. He's leaving. He's going to be the the head of the Norwegian Central Bank is going to be his next job. Go figure. So that leaves the secretary general's job of NATO 
open. And of course, Boris Johnson, he's out of a job now, or he's going to be out of a job very soon. And so, hey, this is a he's making all these trips to Ukraine and the whole Zelensky thing. What better position for him, for a good, useful hack like him? Well, as you say, when you first told me or made me aware of this possibility, I laughed my head off uh, because I thought you were joking. But <laughs> now I, wish, I know. I wish I was. That, I wish I was. Now I know that you were serious. Um, I don't know if I've got anything amusing to say about it because it's such a ridiculous idea that that man who basically, you know, people have a Napoleon complex. It's it's where they're of short stature uh, and are driven to be in charge and put themselves, you know, small man complex. What he's got is 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 a Churchill complex. He needs to be in charge of military things, and and I think that's why he's always dressing up like Mister Ben. Um, and uh, Ned's laughing there because he remembers Mister Ben. No, it's it's ridiculous. That man shouldn't be in charge of the duty watch roster on a two man submarine. He couldn't, you know, manage or and organize his way out of a wet paper bag is about as much use as tits on a fish. The only reason I voted Conservative back in, was it, when was it now, 2019, was because that lying piece of excrement said he was going to get Brexit done. Well, he hasn't really got it done, has he? And he hasn't done anything else apart from lead us by the nose down every step of the way that the World Economic Forum Davos Group wants us led. So... Um, I'm going to have to say it. F- no, do not let that man be Secretary General of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. But he's an absolute. I can't even. I'm not. You know, we don't want to wear the bleep button out just yet. Yeah, but there is one positive point to it. What he showed us how what a fast COVID was, and NATO is a fast. He well, yeah, NATO has become a farce because uh, the rest of Europe hasn't committed its two percent GDP to it for quite some time. So it's been run further and further down. Yeah, you've got Germany working out how to make uh, a leopard tank cupola big enough for a pregnant woman to get in and out of. Like we're getting, we're it, giving pregnant women it, flight suits now in the US. It's absolutely laughable that what's happening. Absolutely happened. fitting, no, isn't it? Stand up comedy. He's in the right place. Well, I suppose so. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just it, excellent. It'll make NATO more like maybe eight and a half. Hot maybe Dad's that, army. Maybe they'll hope Putin will laugh his own head off at this and drop dead. Well, laughter is <laughs> laugh, laughter is curative, and with Putin's various cancers that he's supposed to have, according to some outlets, that might just cheer him up and see. Tell you what, it's, it's making me laugh because that's all you can do. The guy is a buffoon. Yeah, he, well, actually, he gives buffoons a bad name, doesn't he? <laughs> Johnson does, yeah. I mean, as, yeah, I, yeah. as I said, when, when he was... I mean, the, the guy had... He had an amazing opportunity handed to him on a silver platter with the last general election that you had. As you said, you voted conservative simply because it was him that carried the message, get it done. It was going in there, slamming the chains down and saying, that's it. We're out of this European Union. Take that damn star off that flag. We're leaving. And we don't want any more of it. The man had the potential. He had the potential. He was set at that point to be literally be the next Winston Churchill and take on this scum down there in Davos. And across Europe and across the United States and all and, and Australia and all these other countries. And the people I believe, I believe, especially now this far into it, I believe the British people, I, I believe you guys would have backed him. Right. You're correct. He did have an absolutely golden opportunity handed to him. However, when you look back in retrospect and think of all the lies he was caught out in, all the corruption the job as a journalist, which he continued despite the fact that he was PM uh, and many other things, it's amazing that he ever became leader of the Conservative Party to be in that position in the first place. When you look back, it should never have happened. So it's the 1922 committee, the actual people who elect the leaders, mm-hmm. not the membership, but in, in his case, the 1922 committee, they're obviously bought and paid for by the world's billionaires. 
So they needed that puppet in place. And that's how he managed to get there, to get that golden opportunity, which he has then quite deliberately squandered. And just on that note, already as a preemptive thing, just in case the one that they really want doesn't get voted in by the um, Conservative Party membership, because that's the stage we're at with our uh, Conservative Party leadership race. They've already said that there's danger of cyber hacking on the voting system. And if necessary, they would rerun the vote. So it's <laughs> just the same as your Sounds election. Sounds like the US. Yeah. 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 They're saying, well, this argument goes the other way. They're using it. They flipped it, haven't they? Because in America, it was mail-in voting, online voting. Yeah, I don't know. They Think had of a number of yeah, that, the ballot sheet voting. They had victors last night. In we had a lot of our Republican primaries last night. The the results were in, and it was over. And the ones that lost were the ones that came out publicly and said, we're not quitting. The Republican candidates, I'm doing the air quotes, Republican candidates came out and said, we're not quitting until every legitimate vote is counted. Who does that sound like? That sounds like someone that's about to steal it. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. We're not done counting all these counties over here. We, we're going to count on into the night. And this is going to go on for another two, three days, possibly even a week. Since when do we need a week to count votes? Since when do we do that? You know, so and they and stopped exactly those um, corrupted machines now, the ones that Soros paid for. Well, I think they, that they're still there in some precincts, but software for them was used in Canada originally, wasn't it? Um, I, I want to say it was used there, yes, because yeah. the whole thing with Trudeau in this last round where he got back in for another five years last September. People yeah. and, uh, and auditors and things have gone back and said, "Wait a minute, um, he shouldn't have. He shouldn't be there because there's piles and piles of fraud here." It, it's just like what's going on in the U.S. And I bet you the the reason that you have pushback and avoiding on both sides. I'm not blaming one party or the other here. Believe me, there's I mean, that, like that's two corrupt entities of the same machine, the Republicans and the Democrats. You're not going to get a one sidedness from me. It's just not going to happen because they're both just absolutely corrupt, festering cesspits that need to be flushed. You're not getting pushback from either one because I believe that if you start auditing both parties, both candidates, I'll bet you will start to find, and I'm just speculating, that's all I'm doing, I bet you will start to find that a lot of these people that are in these positions in Congress, that are career politicians, I'll bet a lot of them are not even supposed to be there. I, I'll bet if they haven't can, been elected for a very long time. You'll get total alignment. They'll align with each other totally. Of course they will. That's exactly what they're doing. When you try to bring up a question of, hey, should we audit this election of you? I mean, you know, you're, you've been in there for quite some time. Shouldn't we audit to make sure that you're in there legitimately? And they'll just avoid it. They'll take the oh, Sorry, you know, enough questions for today. And, and off the stage they go and scurry out the back door. A lot of these Congress members, Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Waters, Dianne Feinstein, the, these people, a lot of these people and AOC and, and all the rest of these people, a lot of these people don't even live in the districts that they represent. They run in these areas. They have a residence there, but it's like some empty house that they've never been to. And they'll live outside of their district. And that's exactly same the same there. with our MPs as well. Someone, a friend of mine sent me a video today thinking that what the person was saying was, was really clever and a good idea. They were saying that if you're a plumber, if you're a, uh, I don't know, an electrician or any kind of professional, you need a license. You need a license to practice law. You need um, the right qualifications to uh, wire a house up and fit gas appliances. But politicians don't need a license. They don't need any kind of, um, uh, of certificate to say that they are fit to be a politician. And then this guy went on to say, wouldn't it be good if they all were made to have a degree in politics, history or economics? And I thought, no, because that's what, that's what they do already, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that's, that's the standard thing for British politicians to go through uh, one of the main universities, get their degree in uh, politics and economics, and they are mass produced. And many of them are funded by the Open Society, by Bill and Melinda Gates, by other Davos-linked uh, groups and, or sorry, foundations. And they go and into the young global leaders. They go right into the young global leader exactly, program. They are bought and paid for and indoctrinated and groomed from the start. Well, they are groomed from the start because a lot of them come from money to begin with now. 
and they, which manages them to go through university. Johnson comes politics. from money, right? They come out the other side. Oh, yeah. But but even so, the one thing that they should do is come from their constituents. That is the thing they should say. They should be a representative of their own constituent. Therefore, they should have, like... And live there. So many years there. They should have be established within that area as a family unit or part of a family unit well, so they know it. Every, every constituency has a, a Labour Party club, a Conservative club, a Liberal Democrat club, a Monster Raving Looney Party club. No, that's that's only around here, isn't it? We were looking at that and, before we started. <laughs> that's what Yeah, yeah. And that, that's right, we were. And those those people should be the ones that are electing who they want to stand as their MP. That's how it used to work. That that's exactly how. It, but now central office for the parties decide who the candidates are going to be, and and this is the problem. So yeah, there should be a license to be a politician, but that license should be made up of several criteria. One is they should have lived in for a considerable period of time in the constituency they are wanting to represent. There should be full declaration of their external interests, their investments and their finances, and any link whatsoever to organisations such as the World Economic Forum or any other kind of jumped-up elitist club or even corporations. And corporations, but that, that sort of falls inside their investments and yeah. their financial statement. So those are the things that, that are needed so that we can clean up, just like Donald said, drain the swamp. Uh, and, you know, we both agree now. I've been quite vocal that I'm not a big fan of his right from the start. And you guys gave him enough rope to hang himself. And I think he's done that now. Where was I going with that? But <laughs> yeah, we need to drain our swamp. And the only way we're going to do that is some kind of test for anyone who wishes to stand as a candidate for parliament. And, and yeah. we, well, we just. Well, it is, it's a closed loop, isn't it? If you get both parties, like you say, Johnny, which you can't trust either of them, and they then get their representation, they get them into these areas, they can get them to argue specific points of view that the people can only see. And therefore, doesn't really matter who you get in. But that—that's the other thing. The media, um, the way people get to understand what political political arguments are being put forward is from newspapers. It's from TV news. It's from documentaries and current affairs programs. But our entire mass media is owned by two or three different people, yeah. and those that the influence of those people is coming out all the time in the bias of the channels. Of course, they're clever. They'll have one news program on one channel where they own several channels that will speak from the left and another that will speak from the right. But ultimately, you're only getting the, the overall narrative that they want you to hear. Yeah, the rhetoric is created. I mean, individuals, you know, the individuals behind that pick up certain, I would say, more on the medical side because it's their agenda. And you'll probably find out that that individual probably go on the agricultural side now because that's gates of the United States. But outside of that, your two massive asset management firms of BlackRock and Vanguard, you will find they have got their paws into over 90% of the media. And that is a vast amount of control. And they have penetrated the cabinets. Yeah, I was, I was exactly. <laughs> I was reading today that between BlackRock, between BlackRock and Vanguard, combined they will hold 28 trillion in assets worldwide wow well the thing is we knew that it was <coughs> about 30 trillion in 2008 2009 that the actual monetary value of what was traded within the world was about that the rest of it was inflammation of debt and everything else the actual so if you've got that much money a, many assets, a swelling of debt Swelling. An inflammation of debt. An inflammation of debt. Not not inflation of debt, yeah. then. Well, no, inflation, we don't know what it is. It could be 8.99.1 or 15. Oh, okay. Whatever it is, it's a... But you said, and you've said several times, not in a boring way, that when you look at... Is that what... dig? No. 
<laughs> no, you're too close to me to have a dig at it. You've said many times, when you look at governments, uh, particularly Prime Minister's Question Time and all the rest of it, it's the bits that they're not arguing talking about, about what they don't the talk bits about. that you need to concentrate yeah. on. What they don't talk about is their agenda. Well, let's talk about this agenda. As of today, you guys know that there's a, an energy crisis looming in Europe. Yes, you've heard about this. Yeah, it's an energy crisis. You guys are not exempt. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. guys are not yeah. exempt from this. You guys have had several energy providers either go bankrupt or just close completely or they've been bought out by another company or, or whatever um, in recent months leading up to this. And as of today, they're saying that there is a, um, a large chance... I don't know what the percentage is or, or what kind of polling they did, uh, but the headlines I'm seeing say that there's a large chance of widespread civil unrest occurring in the UK as a result of people being unable to afford their bills due to the cost of living increases being inevitable. They are saying that the average energy bills for a year are going to uh, be north of £3,200. Yes. And when you've got a average income before tax, not after tax, in the UK, I think the average is 25,000. So after tax, that comes out at about 20. So then you you wind up with another three and a half thousand um, coming off that amount, and you're down to 16 and a half thousand. And that's before you're paying a mortgage, your food, any chance for savings, leisure, clothes, all those kind of things. So it's a significant rise uh, in energy costs being passed straight on to the customer, to, to the populace. Yet the big energy companies are announcing record profits. Yep. And people are still buying it. Oh, yeah, well, of course they yeah. yeah, yeah, but you know what I'll do? Even, <laughs> even though we've paid for it, the government will come up and go, we're going to charge them a windfall tax. Well, we won't see any of that. No, of course not. Because it's all gonna, it's already been spent yep. on on the ridiculous furlough and lockdown costs and all those things. We've all we were, and and the and the the amount of money they've spent on the snake oil. And they're on, talking on about the, another round of lockdowns coming too. What climate lockdowns? Well, there's climate lockdowns, and of course, uh, they're starting to spin up this monkeypox thing. They just declared today in the United States the Hel uh, Department of Health and Human Services as a public health emergency nationwide. Oh, that's just you lot, mate. It's not going to be us. You <laughs> yes, said it, it yourself. Yes, whatever <laughs> happens in America happens. It resonates around, around the world. The world. Yeah. It does. It does. Uh, you've got uh, supposedly at the moment seventy-five thousand have pledged to strike across the UK. Uh, I believe you said those are transport people, Marty, possibly transport workers. I thought that may be because there's still this argument between um, oh, the rail companies, yeah. trains, uh, uh, you know, the trains about working terms and conditions yeah. and the amount of. Do you know a a train driver is on close to a hundred k per year? Mm, that's a lot of money. And you don't even have to work out how to change gear or anything. You know, no, you it's, push it's a lever not exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's an easy job, and I I wouldn't do it because it's just too boring for me. So they do deserve to be paid well, but do they deserve to be paid that much? Possibly not. But getting back to the point about the energy crisis and these energy companies that have gone bust, they were only ever middlemen management yeah it was it was um just ways of paying your bill so they would bid from the actual people who generate electricity and supply gas they would bid a certain amount and charge at a certain tariff and then take a chunk of profit out of that as soon as the energy company started to hike up their their charges those little middlemen which really are totally unnecessary everybody regardless of whether you're a big business or a home should be paying the same price for energy it's why it's the same product it's the same number of kilowatt hours it's the same so many cubic meters of gas Mitch, charge the same Mitch. price these bloody telephone companies that that give deals for new customers just charge everybody the same i, I know i'm now sounding like a communist but when it comes to utilities, why on earth are we being charged different prices? Just because you can be bothered to go online, tap a few keys and regularly change. It's just a way of keeping more of your information online, more of your activity digitized, 
it's it's crap. We need to just stop. We need to make sure and legislate against it. I'm actually I'm starting to think that I'm being channeled by Corbyn because I want to see I want to see uh, more things actually renationalized. I can't even I, remember what I I don't think name is. Jeremy. I'm losing it. Thanks for that. Yeah, go on. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly, Johnny. You got it right. That's why I said Mexico's got it right. Now Mexico's pissing off the US, isn't it? Yeah, they are. Because they've renationalized their energy and your Wall Street went and got upset about it. Oh dear yeah. me God. I, well, not... Of course, because there's, there's been deal the deals have been done for, for many exactly. years, haven't they? Yeah, but who started it? Clinton. Actually, I'd go back a step further. I'd say the Rockefellers. But yeah, but you know, Clinton, Clinton was the back. vocal one where yes. it actually moved into corporate energy companies in Mexico. Yes. And yes. now Mexico have gone up yours. I'm going to relax. Yeah, and it was the start. It was the start of the the um. It was the start of removing coal fire plants from the United States and sending them to China. They shut down all the coal fired power stations in America starting in the 90s, and they moved them over to China, where Bill Clinton and his wife and the Hillary, of course, and these other people within the cabinet, they all had big stocks over there in those coal companies to start the new energy companies over there. So they got rich off of it. Al Gore was another one, by the way. Uh, by the way, he's, he's... Yeah, go on. Sorry, you made me laugh. It's There's a wonderful thing with English when you said Bill Quip Clinton, his wife, and Hillary, of course. <laughs> no, I said... <laughs> did I say and Hillary, of course? I said that's Hillary, of course. Or, he I don't did know. say that Hillary, of course. It's, it's, <laughs> but it's very right about the Clintons, isn't it? Yeah. It is, yeah. And this is something that's that's really... It's really been bothering me. Bruce and I were talking last week about the, uh, uh, the this whole climate change thing and and how they've doctored up all this stuff. And we'll, we'll get into that. But I don't want to gloss over this other thing. We've always been told fossil fuels, right? I'm doing the air quotes now. Fossil fuels. That's what we've been told. You guys remember peak oil back in the, uh, what was it, the 70s? They had the peak oil, you know, the, the gas, petrol crisis, oil crisis and all that stuff. You guys remember all that? Yeah. We, yeah. yeah. And, and, and the winter of discontent as well when we yes. had... Um, yes. blackouts yes uh, yes yeah, nationwide so, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so we were yeah yeah so we were supposed to hit peak oil and then after that we were supposed to run out of oil right well it hasn't run out yet now we've transitioned into well the, the world's going to end if we don't get rid of cars and if we don't switch to solar panels and, and all that stuff. I want to play this report here. This is a few minutes long from Greg Reese. He's done several of these before, and he does a really good job pointing all this stuff out. But he's talking about the energy crisis that's looming in the European Union, more specifically in Germany. The head of the German regulatory agency, the TÜV, came out this week and said, you know what? We can turn these nuclear reactors on and there is no energy crisis in Germany. You can pack all that stuff up that you're getting from Russia and you can set it aside because we can fix this. The deputy chancellor was down in Bavaria a couple of days ago and he was making his rounds at public speaking events on the streets. And he basically got mobbed and called a traitor and a, uh, and a criminal and a liar and all the rest of it and just get out of here. And he got shamed out of the, uh, the public square. So the, the German people are not very happy and I don't blame them. I don't blame them. Are they going to put up with having their lights and their heating turned off this winter? The answer is no, they're not. They've put up with a lot of stuff, but I think they're being pushed to their breaking point. They're still out there. Is that Pick three up. nuclear plants the Germans are waiting to put on? Yes, they can They can turn them on now. They said, we can turn these on. The problem is, is just there's no political will to do it, which means they're doing it on purpose. Well, it just needs a yes. Yeah. That's all it needs. And all but, those people they could re-employ to run the damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> Not only that, but, well, they're going to take a... Uh, well, the Germans are going to take a serious hit. And you'll see in this report here in just a second. They're going to take a serious hit economically. And it's going to it's going to wipe out pretty much everything across it, including you guys. I've said that I believe that this is where the financial collapse... I believe this is where it's going to start. Because you've got Deutsche Bank that's got somewhere in the neighborhood of about $100 trillion plus in exposure on its books. They're not going to survive. They're just not going to survive. And then I think after this, after it starts spreading across Europe, I think it's going to go to Japan because their banking system is in a it's in a hot mess over there. Then it's going to go to the US. It's going to hit you guys and it's going to absorb the rest of Europe. That's my guess. That's my guess. I, I'm not a finance person. I'm not an expert, but talking to people the in the industry. I live in an island. Just shut the doors and tell everybody to bog off. You got the Well, yeah, but you built the tunnel, so you can't do that anymore. And you got boats oh, now. That. that won't take much. 
it's okay. Just turn the maintenance over to the French, and they'll make sure it collapses. <laughs> they probably own it already. They own some of our bridges. They own your water company, I think. At least one of your water util- main water utilities. Part of the nuclear industry and whatever else they want. Anyway, Germany has got to get their uh, reactors going, so when they... After their life, you can create the next set of nuclear diamond batteries. Yeah, and we were saying you six months. Was it, yeah, what was it six months ago, Bruce? Turn your nukes on. Just just turn your nuclear reactors on. What are you doing? Yeah. So okay, I want to get to this report by uh, by Greg Reese about the energy uh, the energy crisis here in Europe and what this is going to cause. Again, we're all told this is because of climate change, right? That's why we're told we have to do this, and we're told that this is. A limited, scarce resource, oil, right? It's a limited, scarce resource. We can't be overusing it, no, because it's going to run out. Well, we've transitioned now from that to, well, the world's going to end because it hasn't run out. As a matter of fact, as Bruce, you've talked about before, a lot of these wells that they have drilled before in the past that have gone dry, they're suddenly full again, and no one can explain it. Hmm. Take a listen. By officiating the unproven theory that petroleum oil is a non-renewable fossil fuel, the oil companies were able to adjust the price accordingly, all the way into the peak oil scare that foretold the calamity of the world soon running out of oil, which further benefited the industry's oil pricing schemes. The wells never did go dry, and the ones once emptied filled back up. So the science we have today favors the abiotic theory over the fossil fuel theory which is that oil is a natural, renewable component of our ecosystem. And we see this in our oceans, underwater methane lakes deep beneath the surface, with their own unique, thriving ecosystems. And so the story changed from the world will soon run out of oil to the world will most certainly end if we don't stop using oil. And because nobody seems to know what science is anymore, and most people just do as they're told, the world is about to end for millions of people and probably more because our civilization is built upon fossil fuels and the powers that be are turning them off. Winter is coming and Germany is set to be very cold. Angela Merkel saved her political career by appeasing the anti-nuclear movement and shutting down Germany's nuclear power. Out of 17 plants, they have already shut down 11 and are still in the process of shutting down the rest, removing 25% of their power without anything to replace it because their Green Deal turned out to be a failure. After all the hype, Germany's dependence on fossil fuel is at 76%. So they are temporarily switching back to coal and oil, but that's a real problem because they've neglected their own fuel industry and become dependent upon Russia's. And the German government would rather have the country freeze to death than buy fuel from Russia. The German economy is based on highly innovative production, which requires a great deal of energy that they no longer produce. And so running out of fuel will quickly collapse the German economy, which will cause a tsunami of economic destruction throughout the EU and the world and the German government is letting it happen. They could leave some nuclear plants online, but they still plan on shutting it all down by the end of this year to stay green. Some anti-carbon environmentalists are saying that nuclear power is the greenest option. And maybe that's true, but none of their schemes add up. So far, the green agenda has only successfully accomplished making people feel good about themselves while they destroy their own society. The EU and Britain are actually reverting back to burning wood as fuel and claim that it is carbon neutral, which is a lie. Societies have steadily evolved towards a cleaner, more efficient energy, starting from wood, the least clean and efficient, and moving to coal, followed by oil and gas. And now, nearly 40% of Europe's renewable energy is wood, which mostly comes from clear-cutting forests in the United States. This new Green Deal is a complete lie. It's just another part of the creepy elite's Great Reset. These elite bloodlines want a new cashless society, but one more like the Middle Ages, which for these spoiled inbreds is the good old days. And if they succeed, it looks like Germany will get there first. 
And in the midst of all this chaos, the German government is focused on allowing children age 14 and older to change their gender and first names without parental permission once a year for as often as they want. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. He does a really good job with those. He does. Just for the listener's benefit, the new LGBTQ++ flag has now got a a sort of black, grey and brown chevron on the side, probably the side that would go next to the flagpole. When you put four of them together, they create a swastika. You know, go, you go figure. But somebody here in, in Hampshire, and I'm getting slightly off topic for a moment, someone here in Hampshire tweeted that image and just said, what do we think of this in, into, into a tweet? He was then promptly, in fact, he he didn't even tweet it himself. He retweeted. Um, is this the someone police visit called, Yeah. Someone oh, was yeah. caused anxiety by his social media post. And so he was arrested and handcuffed because he asked a question about this image that somebody else had posted. It's It's just absolute madness. It is. Also, in that clip, we had Prince Charles, we had Klaus Schwab, and we had, Louv- is his name Louvre, Lava, Lo- Lo- Noah. Noah Harari, Noah Harari. you know, Harari. WEF number two. He's doing a talk very soon here in the UK, in fact, on the 15th of August. Uh, and you can buy your tickets and you're encouraged to bring your children along to listen <laughs> to the changes that he is advocating in humankind. How much do they cost? I don't know. I I haven't looked yet because I don't want to clue them off too too early. But um, this was advertised on social media. Uh, A local author, not a local, but a UK author. um, Let's be be honest. Everywhere in the UK is local because you can get everywhere in the country in an hour. That's true. This UK children's book author is hosting him and to to listen to his talk about the future of humankind. And I, I did say, you know, hang on, th- this man is is a waste of skin. Who would actually pay to uh, to go and see him? And someone defended him on this stream of, of comments, which around about 96% of the comments were all, no, no way. He's a WEF evil bastard, and no one should listen to him at all. Satan's fault. But someone said, oh, he's a professor from, from Oxford University and very young, and what he said was taken out of context. So I pointed out to this individual that our university system, particularly Oxford and Cambridge, were subverted in the 50s by Soviets, and now it's the Gates, Soros, and Schwab's that are corrupting our universities with their it's quite possible. Their, their ideologies. Yeah, and it's quite possible on yeah. that point. It, it's it's entirely possible that they they themselves have been subverted. Remember, they're not uh, the people that you think are actually running things. At least in in a lot of these uh, a lot of these areas, a lot of people think that they're actually running people like the Chinese Communist Party. They're not. That's not how this works. I mean, Schwab himself. If you look at some of the photos and some of the um, uh, and some of the videos that he makes from his office, he's got a bust of Lenin on the shelf in his office that's sitting behind yeah. him. Is it really? Yeah. Is it really the, the the other way around? I mean, it's a legitimate question because if you take Jamie Dimon, who was the CEO, or excuse, was he the C- CEO of um, J.P. Morgan, and he said publicly earlier this year. Boy, China's economy is in shambles. It's in a lot of trouble. Within 16 hours, he was out publicly apologizing for it, for what he said. Said, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Everything that I said was, was taken out of context. Who's the dupe? That's the only point yeah. I'm trying to make here. But sorry, because that was my fault there that we went a bit off track, because what we were really talking about is Germany turning its nuclear power stations back on. Yeah, yeah. And I, I listened to you and Bruce uh, talk the other day uh, about the way in which the the recycling uh, and and repurposing of nuclear waste can happen. And unless there is an accident, which, you know, nuclear energy providers are extremely careful for those things not to happen. I can only think of three in the entire history 
of actually now I can think about four. Long Island. Maybe five. Long Island, the one in Japan, Chernobyl. Wind scale, Chernobyl. So four. Four major things that went wrong. But by and large, it's still a very clean source of energy. And it's at extremely it's efficient. Better, yeah, it's better than anything we've got at the moment. I mean, they're talking about replacing it with wind and solar, and that's like 3% or less of your overall um, energy producing supplies for the entire nation. You just can't you remember that now they've actually found that they can, they have created that nuclear diamond industry out yeah. of this. You could totally repurpose the whole battery industry which is one of the future's nightmares. Yes, but you're and talking about something that's logical. You're talking about something that makes sense and something that should be pursued. That's not what these people want to do. They want to take us back 500 years. Remember the whole depopulation agenda that goes along with it. So they're going to turn everything off and they're going to get people to acquiesce that way. They couldn't get enough people to do it with the vaccines, with the jabs and the, you know, the segregation of society. So they're going to do it this way. But on that point, do you guys know uh, Sky News Australia? You're familiar with it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, seen the occasional bit and piece here. Yeah, yeah. Again, like I said earlier, Sky News is still owned by the same company. It is. Yeah. It and is. although they do seem to be speaking out, it's it's because it's this divisiveness. You always have to have, like here in the UK, you've got the leftist BBC spouting against the government. There you have Sky News Australia spouting against their government. So you have to take these things with a pinch of salt. But that is on, true. Sorry. That is true. No, no, no. You're you're absolutely right. And it's it, I'm glad you made that point because that that needs to be paid attention to. That's an underlying agenda that people need to be aware of. That and that's that's a great point that you make. But this in particular, uh, they're talking specifically about the non-renewable supposedly renewable things such as wind and solar and these lithium batteries for these electric cars that we're all supposed to buy, but yet they say Yes, go out and get an electric car and get away from the, you know, while they're banning it, petrol powered cars, yet they turn around the next week and say, no, you're not going to have any cars. You're going to have uh, communal cars. So which is it? Which is it? And even so, as you were saying that you can't go down the road of actually doing something that makes sense. No, 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 no. We can't do that. Instead, we have to go down the road of something that we can't repurpose. Alan Jones on Sky News Australia I know we played this earlier in the week, but I want to play it again just for reference to show just how much of a, a crackpot theory this is and how it's doing more harm than good. The batteries in Tesla's S models weigh between 480 and 540 kgs with a six to eight year warranty. Engineers say that each battery has about 10 kgs of lithium salt, and it appears that that's the only part of the battery that can be recycled. You're asking where all this rubbish is going to be dumped. Already there are suggestions that 300,000 solar panels, how many tonnes is that, have reached their use-by date and councils are complaining they've run out of landfill area. Yet our politicians are boasting we have nearly reached 3 million homes with solar systems. My viewers are not stupid. They know that most solar systems have at least 10 panels. Many have more. So that's 30 million panels, 2.5 million tonnes of waste. And you're asking me where this toxic waste is going to be dumped, because all of the panels up to now can't be recycled. And if you add all the solar panels in shopping centres, factories and clubs and caravans and many businesses, the total could be double that, which can be attributed to private houses. Now, Mike O'Connor wrote a very interesting piece in Brisbane's Korea Mail last week about what he called a new environmental hazard, and he referred to comments by the Federal Education Minister, Susan Lee, arguing that solar panels represented, quote, a landfill nightmare. And she's demanded that solar panel companies produce a collection and recycling scheme to deal with them. Well, enforce it, Susan, before they get a licence to build the bloody things. Mike O'Connor made the point that no-one has yet found a way to deal with the junk when solar panels reach their use-by date apart from digging big holes and burying them, which, to use his words, is not exactly cutting-edge recycling technology. And as he says, that's the problem with the warm and fuzzy feeling you get from going green. You might think you're saving the planet, but you're creating a new environmental hazard. Taking up the point that I've made about the electric car batteries, what do we do with batteries when they've got to be replaced 500 kgs each one? Where are they dumped? Politicians are silent on all of this and believe that somehow this stuff leads to a better environment. Presumably that involves digging holes in the ground to dispose of two and a half million tonnes of waste every year. This is what we're doing. We're shutting down our 
oil and gas, we're shutting down our nuclear, and we're saying replace it with wind and solar and electric car batteries. These are the same types of points. I'm not saying that this is something that you need to follow hook, line, and sinker, but these are the same types of points that not just us, but others have been making for years here. You can't repurpose these things. You can't reuse these batteries. You can't recycle these batteries. You can't reuse these solar panels. And they're causing a bigger environmental hazard by actually mass producing them. And the typical response from the government is, well, we're reaching this many homes, as he said, we're reaching this many homes and we've gotten this many people off the grid and we're saving here and we're saving there. But they don't stop to think about how it's going to actually better people's lives. When in fact, when you switch to this, you turn off the others and you don't transition properly. There's no transition. You don't transition to nothing. At the same time, they're saying, well, we need to innovate to zero. Do you ever stop to think about what innovating to zero means? We have. Uh, We've thought about it many times. Sorry, Bruce, after you. I have a thought on this real quick. Um, So, you know, Marxism, one of the things that they like to do is uh, wealth transfer, right? You, you, You take the funds from the people and give it to the party. That's effectively what this is going on. Yes. That's that's basically what this is. Yeah. They're they're, they're just, they're saying you need these green things. So you got to spend your money on it. And then it goes to uh, the politicians who have the investments in these companies. Just, Just one thing that Marty was very correct about, and that's the media thing. Yeah. Analyze that media of what's just been spoken and you'll find out where it's all coming from. First of all, you've got, it, it's a big media program, yeah? Who gets targeted? You've got the solar panels, you've got the batteries, and you had one name that was thrown around, Tesla. Three deliberate points. First of all, batteries and your solar panels and all the grid, that's already there. That damage is coming no matter what. They have already been built. So that's history. Innovations in those areas will come and are coming. But the damage is already there. You've still... You've already got a dustbin full of that lot. Ah, it's going to happen. The Tesla thing is the billionaires are having a bitch at each other, and Soros has been trying to buy into several EV things and whatever and has yeah. lost a lot of money because did, of Musk and what he said. Yes, but didn't and, you bring up the point a couple of weeks ago that Tesla's switching to hydrogen? They're getting, like, Musk is getting away from the electrics? Yeah, but that's a 20... That's the H2O, isn't it? That's right. the three yeah, cars. The H2O. Yeah, H3. Yeah. yeah, the first one's H, the second one's two, the third one's going to be O. Yeah, they want to go that way. The, the nuclear diamond battery is going to change things. There's a hell of a lot of changes going on in the solar industry. That big dustbin has already been created. That includes the EV batteries and everything. We can't stop that because they've already been built, that side of things. It isn't a case of saying to companies, well, you've got to take this back or whatever. The government should be getting together to find out what they can do with this, what they can take out of these systems. I mean, whether it's the glass, because you can always restructure glass and melt it down. Do, and do we need that much glass, though? What is glass at the end of the day? It's sand. Yeah, sand. But, the, but the thing is, if you find, if you repurpose your glass, we used to use a lot of glass instead of plastics. Yeah. That is that way should be going because you then. You then have something you can repurpose and repurpose. It's like copper. You can recycle copper, melt it down, recycle it, melt it down. It's it's one of those elements which you could just keep using, and the same for glass. The 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 active elements inside the solar panels. I don't like the way they are. Oh, that's some nasty solar. Um, and and these batteries though, they lose their properties through use. Yes. So that's the thing. Whereas these um, nuclear diamond batteries that we, you did, you talk which about, are at the moment small powered ones, yeah, have a much longer half life. Half life is a half of the isotope. At the end of the day, yeah. but people have got to realise, but they don't realise because we've all been dumbed down over the last five decades that solar power and wind power can only ever 100%. top up a. A, an existing system, an existing national grid, working off large powered turbines, whether they're powered from superheated steam from a uh, a nuclear reactor or a coal-powered fire station. That is because of the scale they've done it on. There are several people out there, including farmers and individuals that have got houses that have used small little wind turbines yeah, and, and everything. And that's on enough. a small scale, yeah. it's really, really good. 
But once again, you do need batteries. And that's again, of course, you need batteries because you have to store the charge yeah. from to make your, your green source. Well, that's quotes. the other thing with this. That's the other thing with this. When they're talking about switching to wind and solar on a mass scale, they literally have no way of storing all of that. There's no, like the infrastructure doesn't even exist. And to my knowledge, I don't think there's any scheme in any government, at least none that we've seen yet, to create any kind of infrastructure, especially at the rate that we're declining and they're trying to make this, quote, transition. And their whole theory behind this is, is that as we heard, uh, what was it, Bruce, uh, Mayor Pothole Pete, he said, well, the hope is, is that uh, when we inflict enough pain on people, that that will force the change someday. Yeah. But, but in what direction? Pain doesn't lead to a good direction, does it? it, it, it it's I wasn't it's, politically aware at the time at all, really. Car batteries, your normal used to be copper plate, copper and zinc plates uh, separated by a dielectric uh, and that dielectric being distilled water and acid uh, creating the, the normal cell. They used to be ref- be able to be refurbished. In fact, yeah. that's how Prince I Don't Swear Andrew first met me. His detective had spent all night in his Jaguar outside Southwark House uh, in Hampshire, which is was then the School of Maritime Warfare, and he'd run the battery down. And uh, I think uh, Randy Andy wanted to go and have an assignation with Koo Stark uh, that day. And when the car wouldn't start, they they knocked on my workshop door and I gave him a fully refurbished battery, which is one of the things we used to do in our little workshop. And I took his and I cleaned it out and I re-topped it, it up, charged it. Had my hydrometer so I could tell the Stepping specific up. gravity. Yeah. Right, yeah, You used to be able to refurbish your batteries and people could do that on a regular basis. Not anymore. They're all sealed units. And once it's yeah. it's gone... It's it's basically just a lump of lead. And, yeah, it's the same with the phones. Samsung have got a deal out at the moment. Um, you get £150 off of your new phone if you exchange it with any, or if you buy it by exchanging any smartphone. Why do you think they want them? They want them because they want to recover the, the materials Components. inside them. And I'm, I'm kind of okay with that because it's recycling at its best yeah, but, but there are so many things that we used to recycle and fix and mend that we can no longer do because these in unscrupulous bastards that own all the big companies that they've made its own they've used science and they've called it advancement but it's not it's going backwards because you can't fix anything anymore yeah, well, see, Marty, you're, you're thinking about actual progress in the right direction. See, what, what was it we were talking about earlier in prep? Every product is a service waiting to happen. You don't want the product. You don't want to own that. You don't want to own your cell phone. You want the service, right? Well, we did pick on one product that perhaps ladies and, and gentlemen <laughs> wouldn't want to have as a service. You wouldn't want to rent certain objects. No. Reusable? <laughs> no. Well, they are. I was actually I was thinking about that while I was brushing my teeth this morning. I'm like, am I going to have to? Like, is somebody using yeah, my definitely. toothbrush when I'm not using it? I mean, that's a that's a legitimate question because that is a product and you do own it. And if you're yeah. not using it, then someone else is using it, right? I mean, isn't that the whole idea of this crazy zero asset right. culture kind of thing? I guess so. Um, I'm leasing a toothbrush. <laughs> Yeah. You're not. Your uh, you're right. It's down. not going to happen on your watch because you won't own that watch. You're going to be leasing that watch. I own several watches. I have you know. However, I do too. I've got a really nice one right here. It's uh, it's it's. The not trouble is, the trouble is nowadays. Th- this is where they get you. I've got uh, a G-Shock, which is a really handy watch. It's got a satellite uplink in it to keep it absolutely accurate, but only works while the battery's alive. When the battery dies, you have a smartwatch. About- Seventy-five pounds to get a new battery put. You have a smartwatch. You're you're avoiding the questions. I don't have a smartwatch at all. If you had a nuclear diamond battery, which they are designed for such a small item, you You wouldn't have to do it again. You gave me a Bulmer uh, kinetic one. Yeah, um, and then someone stole it from the bathroom on board. But um, those kind of watches, they've got a piezoelectric crystal inside, and the movement of your hand and arm as you 
walk around uh, causes the, the, the watch to charge up and, and, and keep going. I believe that uh, Sir Sean Connery, uh, who sported a, uh, uh, what was it, sported a Rolex Submariner watch, has the same yeah. type of winding mechanism in it. Yeah, and, and I had a great uncle, he was my grandfather's identical twin, um, who could fix any watch. He was indeed a, an horologist. Those were the days, really. You could fix things. Now, as soon as the battery goes, it's more or less dead and thrown away. Well, let's look at why this is. Because uh, well, while we're on the subject of Sean Connery, he's passed now, hasn't he? He has, yeah. He passed. Uh, yeah. passed in his uh, he, in his bed. He was asleep. Yeah, it was a peaceful. He was a Scottish nationalist who, who wanted to break up the union. So um, that's, one, <laughs> that's one less to worry about. No one's perfect. What, what was it you usually say? Oh dear, how sad. Never mind. Uh, moving on. All of this is because climate change. Again, this is what we're back to. Well, Bruce, you and I talked about the faulty sensor network that they've been using for the better part of three decades. 96%, 96% of these sensors that they're basing all this climate hysteria nonsense on come from a network that don't even meet the standards of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration themselves. They don't even meet their own standards, yet they take sensor readings from all of them. All the universities, all these peer-reviewed studies... All these governments and all these think tanks, they all use the same data. And we were looking at the placement of these things, you know, asphalt parking lots on blistering rooftops next to power transformers in natural uh, holes in the ground where they've literally got hot lava springs. They put them on airport tarmacs and, and these types of things and next to satellite dishes and, uh, and all kinds of stuff. So what kind of a reading do you think that they're going to get? And as I was saying, I bet if you start looking across the UK... And I'll bet if you start looking across the EU, you're going to find similar placement from similar types of sensors. That would be my guess. And of course, what you're looking at as well is, don't forget, we had a period called lockdown, during which there was virtually no road traffic. Industry, non-essential industry, was cut out uh, and stopped. And there would have been a period of time when those incorrectly placed sensors were actually reading a lot lower. And as what they go on is by the rise and the difference between one set of temperatures and the current temperatures, now we've all opened up again and everything's running back to normal. Road traffic is, is at the same sort of levels as pre-lockdown. They are going to be higher. So they will claim and have that kind of, as I've called it before, the shit sandwich, two bits of truth hiding the, the the crap in the middle, they are going to have a certain amount of authenticity when they say temperatures are currently at higher than they have ever been. And they're not, but they, they're going to be able to get away with it, that kind of self-justification. I tell you no lie. Yeah, I cannot tell a lie. I did not cut down that apple tree or whatever. It's a cherry tree. Um, was it? Yeah. Sorry, no, it's Johnny Appleseed I was thinking of. Well, I was thinking of, yeah. I'm sorry, I was thinking of George Washington. That's Washington. who I was thinking Yeah, I know, so was I, Dan traitor. Sorry. Yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, speaking of that type of an individual, your former UK Health Secretary, Matt Hancock, is now carrying the message for climate change. He was at the he was at Mont Blanc over the uh, over the weekend last week, uh, and he made a little video bringing the truth about climate change to the public eye. Let's take a listen. It was shocking to me last week that they closed Mont Blanc so we couldn't climb it because of the impact of the heat wave. But what's been even more shocking has been walking all the way around Mont Blanc, 110 miles, and to see the difference between the rivers that come from a glacier above that's melting. They're an absolute torrent. And then the rivers that come from parts of the mountain where there's no glacier, which are dry or a, or a tiny trickle. You can see the water coming from the mountain as the glaciers are melting. And these rivers at the bottom of the mountain are absolutely huge because the heat wave is melting the ice at the top of Mont Blanc. But here, where there's no glacier above, there's no water at all. And it just shows the impact of climate change on the world around us and this week seeing it with my own eyes has really brought home to me the impact of climate change you know as bruce pointed out when we first watched that video earlier in the week which by the way all of that is completely normal uh and the parts that he was standing where he says oh look see the dried riverbeds and it's just as you see that it's all melted away and there's just 
nothing. There was an awful lot of green all the way up that mountainside and down into that valley where he was standing, wasn't there? There was. That was probably the worst audition for um, Judith Chalmers' old role. Uh, what was that? The, the holiday program, wasn't it? Anyway, I, I digress. Yeah, and that reminds me of a point that I wanted to make, because as it occurred to me when we were talking about the renew- the fact that the oil wells are topping back up again. What is oil if it's not carbon? The earth is is a filter. There is no way when you consider how long we've been extracting oil from the various seams that are found all over the world, which I believe was made falsely more scarce than it actually is to boost the price up because the cost of extracting it is quite high. Thank you, Rock. Um, yeah, <laughs> there you go. So if there's all this carbon in the air and the earth is acting as a filter, the carbon falls to the ground and slowly seeps back down uh, and retops up the the oil beds or seams, whatever you want to call them. I think that's what is actually happening. There was no way there were really that many dinosaurs or that they all died in one place to decay down into and vegetation that, that, that has died and, yes, and, and that, decayed down in one place. I mean, you spent a lot of time in the Middle East, in, in uh, yeah. United Arab Emirates, and in, you're also, uh, you also spent some time in Saudi. A lot of dinosaur archaeological digs out there, aren't there? Um, there, there, there might be a few, but um, not that many. <laughs> a few, not, not that, that many. many. Not, not that many to have no. all that oil, no. No, because effectively the whole area was underwater. It, it, it was an inland sea. But Matt Hancock... Yeah, of course, where there's no glacier, glacier, whichever we should say, you won't get that glacial flow coming down, which happens every summer. Every time the, the you know the area heats up a little bit, that ice melts. But there's a thing called convection rainfall. So it melts, it runs down down the mountain, it comes to into a lake and it evaporates, goes back up, falls as snow again on top of the mountain. And the glacier gets bigger again. Those glaciers have been there for a long time. But there's parts of the mountain, the bit that are in constant sunshine, constant sunshine, as in they're they're south-facing usually, where no glacier is formed. So, yeah, that was a complete piece of misdirection. That's a complete piece of proper media for what it was purposed for. Because if somebody was really worried about anything, he would have gone, and we're thinking about redirecting all this extra flow of water to fill the other riverbeds up, which would help them down there. But no, this fits my picture, and that fits my purpose. Yeah. So you're not going to have any water. It, it's, Simple as that. It's it, just... It's ugh. the media being used again. Now, the guy on Sky Australia, or whatever is yep. the, the name of this, the, the news channel... Jones. Or Sky, Sky um, News Australia, yeah. Sky News Australia. I bet you that show, or his show goes out about 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night. Same as Neil Oliver on GB News. He's not on during the day. He's not on in the early evening. He's on late at night. So they get the chance to say, we present both sides of the argument. We are being unbiased. We are being given a balanced news programme. But the only people watching that at that time of night are security guards, uh, crackheads, and drunks coming back from the pub who are paying no attention to it whatsoever. It's channels. Yeah, and so that this channel hopping. Oh, oh, I sat Neil Oliver on again. He keeps going on and on. Quick, change the channel over. Put QVC on. I want to watch some shopping channels. The media is so bent and broken and working against us all. There was a time you could trust the BBC. Uh, and- had debate. That's what and that is long gone. We've got, um, I'm looking forward to September 19th for the the debate on COVID vaccination injuries, which is going to take place. I do need to make sure that I, because that may only be live. So I want to make sure I watch that on the Parliament channel or whatever it's going to be on. And I'll also be very interested to see how few MPs actually turn up for that debate. House of Lords will be asleep. Well, of course they (laughs) are. Some of them need a defibrillator just to wake them up. But It's okay. They're installing them in all government buildings now across the UK because it's normal. That, that should help your myocarditis pump into action. Yeah, it should. So I, 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 did, have, I did have something to say, and it, it, it slipped my mind. But to the vaccine stuff and COVID and all of that, 
Rand Paul is starting some kind of hearing or something. I don't know. I think it was today or yesterday or something like that. He's supposed to be starting some kind of hearing on that. Yes, I'm getting uh, in our of, system. So yes, there, there's something on gain of function. Uh, they've got him and Josh Hawley are, are running some things through right now. Um, I do have some audio of that. You and I are going to discuss that tomorrow. So I guess that's as good a place as any to leave it. Uh, I want to thank all of you guys for being on this evening. It's been a fantastic end to the week. Having the two of you guys uh, in the same place has been quite entertaining because we've never had that before. But just remember, from everything that we've discussed tonight, just take it from dear old Klaus himself. Just think of the global warming. See, and everything will be fine. Everything will be fine. For those of you who'd like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We do love having you as a listener, and we would ask you to pass this along to five friends. Do you know someone you're trying to wake up and get to think on their own? We would appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. Bruce? Marty and Ned. I want to thank all of you for being here this evening. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great weekend and we will see you on Monday. And it's good night from me and it's good night from him.